Welcome to the first episode of the Capitalize on Your Idea podcast. I hope that with this podcast, you realize you can take any idea and make it a reality. With some guidance, good stories, and great interviews, let me help you bring any idea to fruition. Today's sponsor is Watchman Monitoring. Know before it's too late with Watchman Monitoring. If you're an Apple consultant, you need Watchman Monitoring to make sure your client's computers are running smoothly. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial at www.watchmanmonitoring.com slash Now on with the show. Welcome to the Appitalize on Your Idea podcast, helping you bring any idea to fruition. Now, here's the guy who makes it all happen while keeping his day job, Justin Escar. Wow, I can't believe we've actually started this. Welcome one and all to the Appitalize on Your Idea, the podcast. As with many first podcasts, I want to talk to you about what this podcast is going to be and what I hope you as a listener will gain from it. And then we're going to go into our first interview with today's guest, Kyle Samani from pristine.io. The idea behind Appitalize on Your Idea is to help you come up with an idea and make it a reality. I'm not saying quit your job and do only this, but there's no reason why you can't find a few extra hours a week to work on your project and make it come alive. According to a 2012 article from the Daily News, the average American spends more than 34 hours a week watching TV. I'm sure since that article has come out, that number has definitely gone up. I plan on bringing on some guests who have appleized on their ideas. Some have built software solutions, some have built physical products, but all are making money with their idea. And there's nothing stopping you from doing the same. So what exactly is capitalizing on your idea? In 2010, I launched a software development company with the release of my first app, SignMyPad. As a computer consultant, I had these paperwork tickets that I needed my clients to sign. The pieces of paper were piling up in my studio apartment, slowly taking it over. I had an iPad, and I realized that I could just use my finger to draw on the screen. And this led to the initial idea of SignMyPad. I had no programming experience, despite my parents' plea to learn, so I took to a website that allowed me to outsource the programming. I found a lawyer who could help me with any legal issues, and I found interns to help with the day-to-day operations. With all the pieces in place, I was able to sell SignMyPad and not do too much of the heavy lifting myself. I was amazed that within the first day it went for sale, I made $300 and I hadn't even promoted it yet. I had successfully made an app, and you can too with some simple directions. While Appleize on Your Idea does use apps as a platform to teach the lessons, each week we'll go in and talk about different things, whether you want to build apps, software, or even physical products. So without ado, I'd like to introduce our first interview, uh, the CEO of Pristine.io, Kyle Samani. Okay, so uh, we're here with Kyle Samani. What's up, Kyle? Hey, Justin. How are you? Good, man. Good. Uh, So Kyle and I met at... South by Southwest venture to venture this past summer in August. Um, what do you think of the event, man? Uh, South by, I honestly loved it. So, I mean, South by, if anyone's going to criticize, you know, the main South by event in Austin is just because it's a, too big of a just ginormous mess, which it is, because um, it's just, you know, enormous. Um, and I, what I loved about V2V, you know, the, the South by in Vegas was that. It was a much more controlled, contained environment. It was all contained on one floor, so it was very intimate. And uh, I, I had a blast. I loved it. Yeah, it was a good time. It was. Uh, it was the fir- for those who don't know, South by did their first venture to venture. It was supposed to be for uh, small business and entrepreneurs. It was their first year doing it in Vegas. They're doing it again uh, this year. I heard, which is pretty sweet. So congratulations to them. So uh, 
the reason I wanted to interview you today, Kyle, was uh, Kyle's doing some great stuff with his company, Pristine.io, and I'll let I'll let Kyle talk more about it. But he's doing a lot of cool stuff with Google Glass, so in the medical field. So, Kyle, tell us a little bit about like what you're doing with um, with Pristine. Sure. So we are really building a telehealth communication tool optimized for healthcare environments on on Google Glass. So we're streaming video. You know, using the camera on Google Glass, a first-person, wireless, hands-free camera, streaming live video, encrypted and secure, and all that stuff, to any other device. So I, from Google Glass to iPhones, iPads, Android phones, tablets, PCs, so on and so forth. Um, all right, so this is just really it's a communication tool, and it's really a form of telemedicine. The, the problem we're, we're solving in very simple terms is, I need help. Um, or in other terms, hey, can you come look at this? Right? Mm-hmm. That's, it, it's a really simple problem. Um, but it's so pervasive throughout medicine. All right, if you think about medicine, medicine is probably the most fragmented delivery service on earth because um, medicine is fragmented across a medical discipline. It's fragmented across level of authority, uh, meaning nurse assistants, nurses, you know, um, residents, fellows, MDs, attending, subspecialists. There's so many levels of authority there. Um, and it's also obviously fragmented across geography. Um, and even within a given geography, oftentimes it's fragmented if you're on a medical campus between buildings and in some buildings even within floors <laughs> right so i mean just getting around to deliver care is a huge problem um because moving takes time and it's expensive right. um and these organizations have enormous fixed cost structures um right so electrons are faster than you <laughs> um and we would, uh, we would hope we would hope we would hope right so we're we're you know first person video through glass uh we think is going to be a really powerful form of telemedicine um, in many, many different care environments. So to give you just you know, a few examples, um, I'll start with some of the simple ones. Um, emergency response, right? So we have you know, guys in the field, paramedics in the field, they can now have a trauma physician right there, right in, you know, over their shoulder in the field wherever they are, um, providing any assistance. On top of that, of course, now you can imagine all the receiving staff in the hospital, meaning all the nurses, um, all the support staff, all the triaging people at the hospital can also see the state of the patient in the truck and they can prepare anything else they need to to receive the patient more timely. Um, you know, they have radio today, but like there's a difference between hearing and seeing. And a lot of times there's just miscommunications um, and video solves that problem. So, you know, you want to make a very seamless video process for these folks. Um, another great example is going to be in home care. So right now, you know, there's a big push towards towards sending nurses into patients' homes to visit them in their homes um, because it's it's they're trying to avoid admissions because admissions into the hospital are so expensive. So it's it's great for preventative care. The problem is is that a lot of these patients they're no longer seeing a doctor ever. They're just seeing a nurse. So now we're putting glass on these nurses so they can beam in a physician. A physician can see them. Um, the physician can not only see the patient. They can also now see the patient's home and surroundings. This is actually a big deal in home care is having medical staff check around the patient's home to make sure that the home is not going to be prone to fit to is not going to be dangerous for the patient. So if you're a diabetic and you have, um, you know, clot, wound clotting problems, they're actually going to be looking for sharp corners, you know, like a desk or a countertop um, that, are, that you might bump into that might cause you to start chronically bleeding. Right. And it won't clot and fix. Uh, they're going to look for certain areas around your stairs to make sure that there's handrails in place. Like, I mean, there's a million environmental factors that can trip you up and right. can cause pretty acute problems. So 
um, having that, they want that set of eyes, uh, obviously from the physician's perspective to help identify those things. I mean, that's really awesome. I like, I like that word, uh, telemedicine you said earlier. Um, we're, so we're in such a, a place now in, 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 the, in the world where everybody wants to do work from home or have like the four hour work week or whatever it is. And, and telecommuting was such a big thing. But now this, I really, I, that, that telemedicine, it has such a, it has such a, like an oomph to it. That's gives me the chills a little bit. Um, I really like also that idea of having like the paramedics, like, Obviously, everyone's called nine one one before in the in the past, and you have the ambulance show up. I, I used to have a roommate who worked for um, in camp in college who was a, a paramedic, and to be able to have them have like a, the video going back to the hospital right there, so that way they knew everything as the person comes in or can help them on on the spot. That just it seems really awesome. Um, so how did how did you come up with this idea? Like where in your brain? Did the concept of Google Glass, or even maybe it was before Google Glass, but where did your brain did it come into that we need to do video streaming video for this whole like telemedicine concept? Yeah. So my background, uh, it, it actually stems from I actually Justin just sent you a blog post, um, kind of that outlines all this in written form. But um, and I'll definitely I'll put that up in the show notes for, for sure. Um, but my, uh, impetus for kind of starting pristine really came about, I've, I've been working in health IT for a few years. Um, I've been in the industry now for about three and a half years. And, and previously I was developing, um, developing, selling and implementing electronic medical records in the hospitals. So I knew the health IT industry really well. Um, I'm like super deep in the industry now. I know all the standards I've followed with all the regulations, you know, what companies are doing, who's doing what, where, how, when, where everyone's going, you know, pretty involved in, the, um, I was uh, at an EMR company based out of Austin, and I'm from I'm from Austin. And I um, I started looking at, at you know I knew I wanted to start my own company, and I knew I wanted to start it in health IT. This is coming into 2013 um, that I was kind of thinking this, and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Honestly, I didn't have a clue, but I knew I wanted to start something. And uh, I was I was putting ideas with my friends, and then uh, one day Google in, in February of 2013. Google announced the Glass Explorer program, and that's right there when I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, my God, no, there's no way that someone is not going to make use of this device in an effective way in medicine. It's like I was like, it's a wireless hands-free computer that I can program to do anything. I was like, someone's going to figure out how to make money using this thing. Yeah. Right? It's, it's going to be me. Um, well, that's good. That's a good. That's a good thought process to have. See, you uh, can go out there and you can see you see something, and, and you can, and there's nothing stopping people from making money on on another product that's out there. I mean, it's it's just a new form factor, right? Just like you had desktops and laptops, and then you had uh, smartphones and you had tablets. Obviously, I, I think the number of application opportunities, um, I think they're definitely more limited for glass relative to smartphones. Like, I don't think you're going to have nearly as many billion dollar exits um, in the smartphone in the in the glasses area as we've seen in the in the phone area but there's you know there's still plenty of opportunities to be had especially in enterprise markets what's what's really interesting thing about any enterprise app right is is the economics of that app and you know for consumers by and large most apps are priced at 99 cent dollar 99 price points if you're going to do some sort of ad model i mean you're generating some pretty passive cash flow that needs enormous volume but if you're going to sell in any enterprise app in any business right the whole premise is you know, your employees have a cost of X, this thing you're doing, whatever this thing is you're doing, costs you X dollars, and you're and you're perceiving this problem, by and large, eight hours a day for most of your staff, um, right? If it's a retail staff, 
checking out store clerks or if it's some guy in a manufacturing line, right? They're doing the same thing over and over all day. So if you can solve a problem that these guys face eight hours a day, that means you're solving a problem that's effectively creating 160 hours of pain in some form or fashion per employee per month, right? right? So the enterprise use cases for glass, I mean, you can do some really novel things with this new form factor and the economics can work pretty favorably to, to an entrepreneur to generate some, some fat returns. So and, and and they're fashionable. At least that's I mean I remember they're sexy. at South by everybody was, was it was you and there was another guy there that both had the glass and everybody kept bugging you guys to like try them on. I actually didn't even bother to try them on because I saw them and I was like, This looks funny looking but um uh, I have a couple friends now who have them. I actually have one who's a who's in the medical field. I think I introduced you guys to uh, and she's using Google Glass there, which you know it, it really is something that could change, that could possibly change how we look at medicine. Um, and seeing the the opportunities that are there, um, I mean, you guys obviously with Pristine and what you're doing, um, doing the streaming video is it, it will change. It, you know, it will change the face of the way um, the medical world works right now, especially with like we, like you said earlier with like paramedics and home care and stuff like that. I mean. Conceptually, this like this it could blow up and be huge. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think we're gonna look back in ten years and be like, you know, that was kind of one of the obvious things. I mean, this is a new form factor. It enables some new interesting concepts, and I think this is just kind of the low hanging fruit for this new form factor. Right. So, um, you you know, you said you were in the the electronic electronic medical records. Were you doing the programming yourself, or did you have someone else? Like, how you how did you take your concept and start? making it a reality yeah so i i have been programming since i was about 10 years old i'm only 23 today but i've been programming since i was a kid um i actually went off to college studied finance and hated everything about finance and got right back into tech i've always been a computer nerd so i was working at the emr company since i was 20 and um i did a year of programming there a year of technical sales and a year of product management where when i was the product manager for the final year i was there I was, I was really responsible for all of our clinical applications. So I was responsible for documentation, order entry, order management, pharmacy labs, radiology, um, imaging, all kinds of different clinical workflows. And I got a ton of exposure. I spent enormous amounts of time in hospitals learning about workflows and challenges and that thing. So I had a pretty broad sense of programming, you know, enterprise software, building it, um, selling it, and then deploying it in the hospitals. Um, that was kind of the, I spent one year in each of those major areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, leading up to starting Pristine. And uh, I, I saw Glass, Google announced Glass, and I was like, someone's going to figure this out. And honestly, my first idea for Glass was terrible. Um, it was to help blind people. Um, it was to, to do a video streaming solution and have a guy in India um, who's like effectively your personal assistant, kind of like OnStar, right? Except the guy's in India right, um, right. or just for cost. And the reason I tell you it's a terrible idea is we prototyped it, and the prototype is really easy. Close your eyes and have your friend tell you what to do. Um, <laughs> like stand behind your shoulder. <laughs> I don't trust them enough. I don't trust them enough to like buy me a drink at a bar. I'm not going to have them tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that that effectively boils down to the problem with the idea is that it's really hard. Like blind people have learned to adjust to being blind, and like there are certain things they still struggle with. But it turns out like having virtual eyeballs doesn't help. Right. Um. So we threw that idea away in about five minutes after we started. <laughs> so okay, so like I like I've said before, not you know, not every idea sticks, and obviously you need to you need to suss it out a little bit. Yeah. So then our second idea, I was like, all right, all right, I know EMRs, I know EMRs really well, electronic medical records. So 
I was like, all right, well, let's, let, what if we just take EMR data and push it to glass? And I was like, then we started thinking about all these UX challenges of like, well, what can you automatically push? What can you know that the doctor might want to look at before they even ask for it? What contextual triggers can you use to push the data? You know, how much voice do you need to have? A lot of them, I mean, like really, like this is obviously totally a new form factor that presents all kinds of new UX opportunities and challenges, right? So we spend a lot of time thinking through those issues. And then we realized that that was also a terrible idea because even if we built the best product in the world, getting doctors to pay for it w was going to be a challenge. So we threw that idea away as well. Um, we really landed on video-based communications. Um, when our, actually, it was really our first investor was the one that really opened our eyes to um, the opportunities around video. Um, our first investor was an anesthesiologist that found me, um, and he found me because I'm a very active blogger and have been for the past year. Um, and I got picked up by a big health IT blog in May, um, and he found me through that. And uh, one day he emailed me out of the blue. He's like, what are you doing with glass? And I was like, honestly, I don't know, um, but I'm doing something. And we talked, and, and we really landed on video um, for anesthesia. And then as we kind of started talking with them more, we realized value in surgery. And then, like, other opportunities started becoming apparent. And we started realizing, we're like, wait a second. This is really, I mean, this is like, it's kind of like a telephone plus plus. Right, like you're not you're not bounded to use the telephone for just one reason. You can use a telephone for 50 million reasons um, because it's a communications utility, and this is just a communications utility with some very novel uh, characteristics that can create a lot of value. Right. So uh, you mentioned something that you you had a blog that got picked up, and uh, you know I'm a big proponent of of having a blog. I think it helps every company. If you don't if you don't have a blog on your website. You might you're just throwing money down the toilet because there's no way people are going to be able to find you. Um, the old the old trickery of, of certain SEO tricks and and doing ads really kind of just in this day and age is, is not there. You, you need to have a blog. You need to prove that you are uh, the expert in whatever the field is that you're doing. So so you had this blog right, and you were writing about your days doing EMR or what? Like what what were some of the the your core for like what you were writing on your blog that got this guy interested to say like, look, you obviously I want to talk to you. Yeah, that's a great question. So to, I guess I have to back up to really make sense of the context of my blogging. So um, at the end of 2012, like Q4 2012, I started getting really just depressed at my, my old job. Okay. Um, and I got depressed because I got promoted. When I got promoted, I was reporting directly to the CEO of my last company and uh, I just didn't get along with our CEO. And so that's what prompted me to want to figure out my own thing to do was the fact that I didn't like my boss. <laughs> and that's and, a good that's uh, a good motivator right there. It's just like if uh, you know what I the, a lot of people say like I don't have the time and I don't want to do this. If you hate your boss, uh, you can quit your job and you can do something else. <laughs> exactly. I mean that's that's ultimately what it boiled down to, right? And so going into 2013, I set a New Year's resolution. And on New Year's resolution, I said, I'm gonna, I, I wanted to start a company. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in health IT. At the time, I was 22. And I was like, all right, well, I think I know health IT. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Let's just say I do. Um, but I'm 22. I have very little savings. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to need to hire people and get people to pay me money and get investors on board. And I was like, that age in health IT is like not a good sign, right? Like, who the f*** is going to give you money at that age in, in health IT? Um, this is an industry run by old dudes. It's not like Facebook, you know, like Snapchat and all that stuff. So, um, 
my reasoning was I need to start blogging so that hopefully if I find some dude that wants to give me money or that wants to join my team, they'll read my blog and think I have a semblance of a brain. Um, so that was my impetus to start blogging was, was like literally hoping that someone would just not even find it like spontaneous, spontaneously, but that I would have already written something and that then I will send it to them and they'll be like, Oh, shit, this guy knows what he's talking about. Right. Oh that God. was, that was the impetus. Um, and it turns out my thinking was like beyond spot on, like blogging was probably the best decision I've made in my life or like one of the top three, like starting pristine and blogging are like the top two decisions I ever made. Um, because they were so intertwined and worked so well together. So I started blogging three times a week, um, every week of 2013. I made it a New Year's resolution. Um, I actually enforced it through a platform called stick.com, S-T-I-C-K-K. Um, and stick.com is a platform where you give them your credit card number and you tell them, if I don't do what I said I was going to do, you can take my money. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, right, like, Wait, straight I, up. Is that, is that, that's not the one that, like, gives your money to, like, a charity, a charity. that you hate. Right. Yeah. So you choose the charity where it goes to. Um, Wait, does it go to a charity you like, or because there's one that's out there like if that like will give money to like charities that you hate. Right. So that no, you're it's stick.com is that. So you choose oh, okay. the charity, um, and what they do is stick.com. They let you choose, and they get they take every major political issue, and they give you one option on both sides. Right. So you can choose pro pro life um, or pro choice. And you can choose pro-gun control or anti-gun right, control. I'm going to put you on the spot. What Which anti-charity did you go for? I, I chose the NRA. Okay. So you so the NRA had the potential of making money, your your few dollars in savings, if you didn't blog three times a week. Well, I, I, yeah. And I put $10 a week on the line. So I authorized my credit card for up to $520. Okay. And uh, I didn't pay them a penny. Wow. Three times a week, every single week of 2013. All right, so there's a good motivator for you. If you, if you feel – it's such a funny concept. If you feel like you, you really need to get motivated, uh, new, you know, because New Year's just happened. It is only uh, January 17th when we're recording this. Um, if you're out there and, and you feel like you want to get something done, uh, I'll put this in the show notes, but stick.com will force you to do it. Otherwise, you're going to give your money to somebody that you hate. That's the premise. It's a great concept. It's a great concept. I wish I wish I thought of that. All right. So okay. So you blog three times a week, uh, and and you use stick.com as your motivator. And then you were right. What were you like writing about? You were writing about the state of health or IT. Yeah. Or, like what so was going on? I write. I I started writing about you know my kind of passions are healthcare and technology and business. So kind of the intersection of those. So looking at how cost pre- you know how how is the Affordable Care Act changing pressures in in uh, cost pressures in healthcare. How, are, how do you need to rethink care delivery models um, with new reimbursement models? And then how can you leverage technology in those models? Um, and looking at how different things are coming into play. So some of my posts were very broad and just looking at um, sort of like healthcare workflows and how technology plays into those. Some of them were very focused on a company. Um, and to be totally clear, I've never been paid by a company to write about them, but some of my some companies I've bumped into, I was like, wow, that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll write a whole blog post about how their business lies at the intersection of certain, you know, major tr- macroeconomic trends in, in modern healthcare. Um, and just writing about, obviously, Google Glass and then, like, the challenge. I mean, I've written of – ev- of everyone who I know of who's based their whole life around Google Glass, I am without a doubt the most cynical. I mean, I share Glass <laughs> all day, every day. It's, I mean, it's a really primitive product that has all kinds of shortcomings. Um, and, and so I write about those very publicly and very, uh, in my opinion, candidly. 
um, you know, going about what can you really do with this device? More importantly, what can't you do with this device? Um, how do you think about, okay, well, given what you can't do, you know, what kinds of things may or may not work? How are you going to monetize those those actions um, and, and challenges, right? What are you going to see in consumer versus enterprise adoption? So um, there's just a whole host of ideas and, and issues that really surround kind of the nature of, of, of me and my business. Oh, that's cool. So, okay, so let's let's bring it back. So so you had this blog and this anesthesiologist said, you know, I, I have this idea and you guys came up with the idea for the video. So then you, uh, or I guess he gave you some money and then you were able to buy because the glass is expensive, right? Isn't it like $1,500 or something like that? It is. They're fifteen hundred each with tax, sixteen twenty. And then shipping, and then there's the, and then there's Google tax. Uh, for those that are in IT, know that Google charges a tax on everything, and it's part of your soul. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I don't work for Google. I don't. I don't. I don't really care. But um, so okay. So you had this device, and you you had a plan, which was good. So what was like the first step in creating what is now your your actual product? So the first step was actually finding a co-founder and I started look, so Google announced glass like February 4th or something of 2013. I don't remember the exact date, but it was something early February. And I was like, all right, I need to learn Android. I knew, I, I knew, I knew some Microsoft development for my old job. I'd done Java when I was in high school. You know, I, I knew the, the basics. I had done a little bit of backend server work. I hadn't done any web work and I was like, all right, I got to learn Android. Like obviously to do anything on glass, I'm going to need to know Android. So pretty much every night of February, I started hacking away on Android, just doing some some self-taught Android stuff. And by the end of February, I was like, fuck. Like, there's no way I'm going to become an Android expert in the next two months. Um, so by the end of February, I gave up on <laughs> developing. I was like, all right, I need to, I need to find a co-founder who, who already knows Android and who knows this stuff a lot better than I do. Um, so I um, actually started reaching out to, to people that I knew. And, and um, my best friend from high – not my best friend – a guy I knew from high school, Patrick. Um, we actually, Patrick and I met in high school computer science class. Um, and uh, Patrick was always the kid that um, he never paid any attention whatsoever in, in any class, for that matter, because he already knew everything. Um, he was the kid that, like in high school, he hacked into the computer scientist, the computer science teacher's system, and started <laughs> with everyone's CD drives in in computer science class. So, like one day, the guy's <laughs> lecturing, and all the CD drives start opening. And closing. <laughs> on all the computers i mean like he was that kid right he changed his grades in the system i mean he like did he did he uh did he play globo thermo nuclear war with uh with the government computer so he never did anything like Uh. really serious he was always just kind of doing prankster stuff um and patrick and i had you know we'd been friends for a couple of years in high school um to give a sense of reference so patrick was a year below me in, in school and then he was also a year young for his age so Patrick is, is two years younger than me. So um, we stayed in touch throughout college. Patrick, for college, went off to uh, SMU, Southern Methodist, while I was at NYU in New York. And we'd stay in touch in the summer. We worked on some small projects, just kind of blocking. Um, and uh, Patrick actually was kicked out of college um, during his freshman year because he hacked into his dorm's internet at SMU. And um, he cut off bandwidth to all the other students. Like, just no one in the dorm had any internet. He took it all for himself. He had built a server farm. Um, and it turns out one of the major commodity exchanges, I think it was Electricity Futures, was hosted in Dallas. And most of the major banks had their high, their um, had had their um, their servers for all their high frequency trading running on the coast in San Fran, L.A., and New York. So he was like, "Wait a minute, these guys have latency." 
So he was writing, I mean, Patrick is a data scientist and computer scientist, so he started writing his own algorithms through high-frequency trading based on, you know, microsecond movements. And his whole premise was, I need as fast internet as possible. I'm kind of going to pay for it, um, and I'm local to Dallas, so I can get a faster um, latency on, on my movements. Um, so Patrick did that when he was 17. <laughs> and, wow. And uh, <laughs> let's not mention Patrick's last name, just in case there's somebody listening who's like, I'm going to I'm going to get him in trouble. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, that's OK. That, I'm sure it's fine. Matters yeah, now. You can look him up on our website. Patrick's awesome. So uh, he was also on a free ride to SMU and um, SMU didn't take too kindly to his actions. So he was asked to, to kindly go. <laughs> 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 um, so that's Patrick, right? Like in a nutshell. And um, he had been freelancing just for the past few years since then. And uh I kind of picked him up and I was like, dude, let's do this Google Glass and healthcare thing. And he was like, that's a terrible idea. And he's like, why the f***? And he's like, doctors don't like technology. They're all backwards. They're all better than you and smarter than you. And I was like, yeah, but it makes sense and it's cool, right? And, and he was like, dude, this, this, this isn't going to work. And I like just kept pestering him for like a month. We're talking like late March into April of 2013. And finally, he's like, all right, I'll come aboard. And we agreed to kind of do like a part-time thing. So that he can he can get into this, and then like this anesthesiologist, you know, I'm blogging and, and getting some recognition, and then this guy gives us a hundred grand, and Patrick is like, all right, all right, all right, look, if a doctor gave us money, like let's let's make this real. So that's kind of when things kicked up in the full gear, and uh, Patrick and I both ended our our old engagements, uh, you know, prior engagements on June 14th. Both of us ended the same day, so um, we started doing that, and and the, you know the hundred grand hit the bank right around the same time. And, um, and I was like, all right, we got to go raise more money. And now we got to go hire some people. Cause I was like, we got to make this happen. You know, we need to go fast. Like if we're not first, someone else will be. Right. So, um, we started hiring, uh, looking for more people. Patrick obviously got to put the base architecture in place, started screwing around with our backend and node and, and Android and everything else. Um, and, uh, we issued two, you know, we listed job postings and I started going through GitHub profiles and angel list and messaging hundreds of people you know, trying to recruit people. And everyone was like, I mean, this is June, right? This is June. So like at, by this point, glass, you know, it's January, 2014. Now, like most people who wanted to play with glass and play with glass, but in June glass was like really new. We only had like one or two units at the time. And, um, you know, we, we were honestly, it was hard to recruit people. People were like, who the f are you two idiots? Like a 21 year old and a 23, actually Patrick was 20. So when we started the company, Patrick couldn't drink. It really, frustrated me uh, <laughs> that he couldn't drink anyways he turned 21 in the summer um but it was like what are these two young kids gonna do like what the f and um anyways our first two offers we we issued to people were rejected and i was like really disheartened i was like why is this so hard to give our money away like by this time we had raised like one hundred and fifty thousand, and like we were struggling to give money away right, right. I was like, why is this so hard and um Anyways, we finally issued an offer to a guy, Mark, who ended up being our first hire. And Mark has just been amazing. Um, I actually organized the Austin Google Glass meetup group, um, selfishly, for purely selfish reasons, to quite frankly show off what we were doing and to just meet other glass people in Austin. Um, and my, my hope was that um, I could buy their glass units from them because at the time we had a serious hardware shortage. Um, so that was why I organized it. And one of the guys who showed up who actually had glass was Mark. Um, and uh, Patrick and I met with Mark, and we both liked him a ton. And, and he had a lot of a lot of years running large technical teams at his last job. And uh, we issued him an offer, and 
he was like, honestly, this seems like a terrible idea. And I was like, dude, come on. Like, you know you want to do a startup. And he had been working at a big company for like eight years. And uh, I t- eventually, I talked to my roommate. And he's like, dude, you got to take his wife out to lunch. He's like, the wife is the problem. And I was like, all right. So I offered him to take him as the wife <laughs> out, out, to, out to lunch. And he accepted the offer the next day. I was like, perfect. There you go. There Wait, you go. so did you take just the wife or did you take Mark and his wife? No, Mark and his wife. Oh, okay. Because if you took just the wife, that would be a little weird. That's creepy. <laughs> That'd no. be creepy. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so with, that, Mark and, with, with Mark and Patrick, you were able to do all the coding and get it up and running. Yeah, I mean, we kept hiring. So I just kept raising more money. We were really lucky. I mean, like, I, I don't want to get into details of how much we raise now, but we, we raised a lot of money. And um, so we have 10 full time now. Everyone's salaried. Um, they're suppressed salaries, but, you know, everyone is living comfortably. Right. Um, I probably live least comfortably. I, li- I have a $24,000 salary. I'm, um, so I'm, I'm pretty low, but everyone else is, is you know, very comfortable. Um, no one's living at the poverty line. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've hired a bunch of people now. We're actually we're generating our first revenue this month. We actually just signed our first contract today. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you, um, which is super exciting. Um, like, I mean, I was jumping up and down today. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's come a long way. We've been hiring all through the fall. We spent a ton of time hiring. I was going to trade shows all over the country. I know a lot of people in healthcare getting out there networking. Obviously, at every trade show I go to, I'm the glass hole, right? So I am running around with glass on, you know, just making everyone feel really uncomfortable. And people walk up to you and they're like, are you recording me? And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. Let me start recording this conversation now, right? Like, I mean, I've been f***ing with people in every way I possibly can. It's, it's amazing It's amazing how many people think you're always recording um, when you're just, like, walking around. Oh, yeah. In the bathroom? Oh, you can make some really just rude and you make some people really uncomfortable yeah that. i remember i remember at south by the the other person who was wearing glass got yelled at by security because they thought he was like going down to the casino he, like the kid doesn't even gamble and they were like you can't wear that in the casino meanwhile we're on like the conference floor level of the cosmopolitan and um like the, the security like sought him out to like tell him that he can't wear his glass and he was like he was having like a he got like mad at security. Like, I, look, I guess I understand where security's coming from. And he got mad at them, being like, "Oh, I'm not even on the floor," and blah blah blah. And they, uh, they were like, "All right," because they, they just didn't know. They just didn't get it. And I could see it being a big problem for um, casinos, but like, you know, a lot of people are still just uncomfortable with this thing, like in your face. Oh, totally. I mean, you you can have a ton of fun with it, and um, I mean, you can do like OK Glass, and then when it says Google, I'd be like Google porn, and they like freak out. They're like, "Ah, oh, porn's gonna start playing," right? Like. You know, you can, I mean, it's, it's really fun to screw with people. That's funny. Um, or like my, okay, one of my favorite ones is you tell them like it has hand recognition built in, like you can wave in front of your face <laughs> and, and, and like while they're doing it, I'll say, take a picture and I'll, and I'll have them like snap, right? I'll tell them to snap and they like, they think it's doing it based on, on their snap and it's just based on my voice. Right? <laughs> That's really funny. Wait, all right, so. Oh my God, what? <laughs> like they start freaking out. It's really funny. It's really funny. All right, so you talked about hand hand motion. Uh, do you know the leap motion, the the like the free form hand? I do. I got my leap in like February of last year. Yeah, I got my I, leap also. I love it. Um, I use it to, to move the mouse around on my computer. Um, for those who don't know, leapmotion.com has this uh, – 
it's it's like Minority Report, really. Like, you hook it up via USB, and it creates this field that you can put your hand in. You can play, like, Fruit Ninja on your computer, like, using your finger, which I think is really awesome. So um, do you see any – like, is there potential there as well, like, in the same way that you saw the potential in Google Glass or – like what are your what are your just prelim? Give me like a a, a, yeah. a two best idea thing for that. Oh, my two best. Okay, so I think the leap is kind of. I mean, I think it's novel, but I think it's actually pretty stupid. Um, but leap is really interesting. So the first thing I did when I got my glass was I glued my I glued not glued I duct taped my leap motion controller to my head and wore a Google Glass and I was like, this is a pretty cool concept. Like, what if you could do motion? And then it turns out I discovered there's like four companies doing exactly that, except it's actually integrated together. <laughs> not just duct taped it. So, yeah, yeah, right. It's not just duct tape, but the companies, check them out. One is called Made of You, um, M-E-T-A-V-I-E-W. Um, their product is called Space Glasses, so spaceglasses.com. Um, and the other one is called Athear, and theirs is A-T-H-E-E-R-L-A-B-S. So it turns out both of these companies are doing full binocular HD displays you know, for your eyes, with hand tracking built in um, and using leap life technology. Um, like, so super advanced hardware engineering, crazy, like advanced stuff. Um, and I, you know, I reached out to the CEOs of these companies. I, I, I'm in regular touch with both of them now. And we're kind of in their like special developer beta programs, um, doing some, some cool stuff with their platforms. We haven't built anything of significance, but you know, they're definitely, they're encouraging us to do cool stuff given kind of the space we're in. Right. Um, so I think those app, app things have a lot of application. My, my favorite example is like for gaming is like you can imagine two people with these, you know, virtual stereoscopic glasses. You can have like a virtual fireball in your hand and you can throw fireballs at each other. You can play virtual dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, but I've seen people doing that with uh, the Xbox Connect. They'll hook it up and they'll like they'll play like Street Fighter or whatever it is. And like the guy's doing like the fireball mode and like his hand, like the character does it on the screen and stuff like that. Yeah, this is definitely going to work a lot better than Connect, right? Like you can you can imagine. So there's a lot of cool opportunities there for gaming and, and stuff like that. Um, as far as the Leap Motion itself, I mean, I've yet to. I mean, like I saw the demo for the Harp. Like the Harp was pretty cool. I haven't explored my Leap too much, honestly. Um, I I think it's a fun toy, but like I don't think it's very practical. All right. Well, um, if if you do get around to it, check out this is app. I think it's called Touchless. I'm, I'm trying to open. Yeah, it's called Touchless. They make it for Mac and for Windows. If you have a Leap, um, it lets you like use your index finger to move your mouse around. You use like three fingers to like scroll pages up and down. It's a little. It it takes a while to get used to, um, and it works a lot better if you have one monitor. Like I have, I have three monitors at home, and it's, it's kind of really hard to like find my mouse, let alone like track it with my finger. But I think it's an awesome thing. Um, all right. Well, so Kyle, tell people where they can find you online. Um, so you guys can find me, just tweet at me. My Twitter is Kyle Samani, K-Y-L-E-S-A-M-A-N-I. You can tweet at Pristine, Pristine, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-I-O, um, is the company's tag. Uh, my blog personally is at kylesamani.com. Pristine's website is at pristine.io. Um, pristine.com is one of the most horrendously ugly websites I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it, like, I'm like, the name is Pristine, damn it. Why isn't it like nice? Yeah. Um, it's awful. You should get uh, you should get Patrick working on that. Yeah, we're we're working. We're we've been trying to buy them out, but they're pretty rigid. Anyways, <laughs> um, so that's um pristine.io is us, Kyle Savani, and then you can always email me. My email address is just Kyle at pristine.io. Great. All right, so I'll have all your contact in the show notes. Uh, Kyle, man, great talking to you. 
Thanks so much. And remember, at home, if you have an idea, you can you can make it come to life. You can bring any idea to fruition. Just go home, think of an idea, and capitalize on it. All right? So thanks all for listening, and we will catch you next time. Justin, thanks so much. It was great to chat with you. Take hey, care. Bye-bye, bye guys, and definitely capitalize it all. So I hope you guys liked the interview with Kyle Samani from pristine.io. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the first episode of Apitalize on Your Idea, the podcast. I hope to be bringing you some great interviews coming up soon. And stick around. It'll be awesome. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you guys next time.